Amen. Give him a hand. It's Doug Easter Day. Good morning. You know, I just think we experienced the kingdom of God in action. As Tito and Regina came out of their weakness, they encouraged us. That's the kingdom of God. And see, they're the ones that are struggling, but they stood here and encouraged us. That's the kingdom of God in action. So you don't have to be strong. In fact, the word of God says, in your weakness, he is your strength. So we have experienced something that's truly the kingdom. I hope you receive what they shared with you, because it was the word of the Lord to us. And from a person, from the, the people that um, have truly experienced what they just shared. Amen? Amen? We are going through this series called The Story. It's a book. If you don't, if you haven't uh, got one, I really encourage you to get it. Uh, it's what it is, it's uh, the Bible uh, all kind of put together. So it's one storyline. It doesn't leave things out. It's not interpreting. It's just putting it together so we can see how the scripture uh, all flows together. So I encourage you, if you haven't had one, we're on chapter six today. So there's how many chapters? 31. Yeah, so there's quite a few more, 25 more to go. So you won't miss out. So I encourage you to get that. Now, why do we do this? Why are we going through something that is talking about scripture and why don't we talk about topics or whatever? Because the Bible tells us to do this. And in 1 Timothy, or excuse me, 2 Timothy 3.16, what's, what's the most, probably the most famous scripture in the Bible? What is it? John 3.16. If you want a really interesting study, go through the New Testament and look at all the 3.16s. Go through all the 3.16s and all the scriptures. You'll be as an amazing study. Here's one. This is 2 Timothy 3.16. And it says this. All scripture. How much? All. What does that leave out? All scripture is God breathed. Who did it? God did it. So it's something that God has breathed upon us and he wants us to receive it and there's a reason. It's God breathed and is useful. It's what? It's useful for you and me in our daily lives. It's not just a theory or a history lesson. It's useful. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that, so that, there's a purpose, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every work of service. Anybody want to be thoroughly equipped? It also says in Psalm 119, 
verse 11, it says that we are to hide the word of God in our heart so that we might not sin. How many of you have ever gotten frustrated with yourself because you sin? Anybody? And it says if we hide the word of God. So we're doing this for a reason, for a purpose. Not just to, to go through it, but for us to take it and receive it and know what the word of God is saying and what it's all about. Now, chapter 6 of this is deals with deals with computers <laughs> deals with the wandering ever wonder why they wandered <laughs> oh, come on that was a little bit funny <laughs> oh, maybe not <clears throat> and this wandering Okay, Jason, I need your help. This is not working. <clears throat> this wandering lasted 40 years. Think about where you were 40 years ago. Some of you can't because you won't hear. But some of us, I'm just barely able to remember that because I'm just only 41. <clears throat> but, but those of us that can remember 40 years ago, and they wandered around a desert. It's not dessert. <laughs> it's desert. And they experienced some amazing things. That's a long time to wander and to keep wandering. <clears throat> now, I'm gonna highlight kinda what they went through during these 40 years. First of all, they had been in the same spot for a year, camping in their tents for a year, the same place. Now. We, we kind of a little bit disagree with how many people there were, but we know that 600,000 soldiers had to die in those 40 years because they didn't obey. So if you, if you take that and talk about the ones that weren't soldiers and, and children and women, I think it's about 3 million. But it's a lot of people. They stayed in the same spot in the desert for a year, the same spot. Now, I, I have maybe a strange imagination, but where did they go to the bathroom? <laughs> for a year. There's a lot of holes in that desert. That's why they call it the Holy Desert. <laughs> oh. Oh boy, <laughs> no tomatoes, please. <laughs> but it was a big deal. After a year of staying in the same place, and that's when the Ten Commandments they received, a lot of things happened in that year, as uh, Pastor Jason shared with us last week. But now they're ready to move. 
And they believed the next step was the promised land. They didn't think they were going to be wandering for 40 years. It was about a 15-day journey. And they thought, whoo, yeah, we're finally out of this holy place. <laughs> and we are going to get to the real holy place, the promised land. And they were excited. And they were just like, well, let's get going. You didn't have to really try to convince them. Well, come on, pack up your tents, let's get ready. Can you imagine three million people trying to get them already at the same time? Anybody have your family having a little trouble getting all the kids ready at the same time? How about three million? And they were ready to go. And they were excited. And they began to move and to walk. And then the next thing is God did this miraculous thing of providing meat for them. I'm gonna give you a little more details about that later. God did a miraculous thing that was a little bit over the top of how he provided, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna share that a little bit later. Then they came to the edge of the promised land. They went up to the edge and they said, all right, let's go check it out. Let's go see what's in there. Let's see, you know, what it's going to take for us to go in. And they sent 12 spies. And they came back, kind of with the, what the picture is up here. That's just a little section. They had two guys on a pole carrying a cluster of grapes. Took two guys to carry one cluster. And this is just an example of what this place is like. But then they said, oh, we can't do it. Man, there's, there's giants there. There's, we, we can't do this. I mean, I, we, we, there's no way. And the spies came back and basically communicated, we can't do it. So now what are we going to do? If we don't go in, what's the alternative? Because that's where what the plan was. That's where we were going, was to the promised land. And if you don't go, then what do we do, three million people? Well, the next thing that happened, because of some disobedience and not trusting God, Aaron dies. And they stayed in place for several months to mourn and it was a big deal that Aaron passed away and um, that was part of this 40-year journey. And then, as we're getting closer now, Joshua was commissioned as the new leader. Joshua, there's not a lot said about Joshua before his commissioning. But if you can give me a little bit of license, Joshua learned to serve his leader without ever questioning, without uh, complaining. He just served. He carried his suitcase, if you will. And he did it faithfully. 
And that's what qualified him to be the next leader of three million people. His heart as a servant. One of the things that I'm a, I am involved in is I do a lot of training of leaders and do lots of ministry to Bible schools and places that are, that are moving forward and trying to go into all the world. And I find that so many times, a, especially younger people, maybe 30 and younger, they, they get frustrated because they want to go out and do their vision and that thing that God has put on my heart and why don't you release me to do what, what, what God's put on my heart and see what qualifies you is finding the leader God has connected you to and helping that leader be the best that they can be. Then God will release you. A servant heart is the requirement of every leader. Let me say that again. A servant heart and a servant spirit is a prerequisite, a requirement of being a leader. I remember when I was being trained to be a leader, I thought, you know, by next week I'd be, you know, Jesus Jr. <laughs> and I was, you know, I, I thought I had it together. And it came out very quickly that I didn't. And I was given the task of feeding people at a Bible camp. That was my training days. We served between 500 and 700 people in a kitchen that was half the size of our kitchen out there. And we had to, had to do it 24 hours because we didn't have enough ovens and everything to do it all at once. And so I worked 14 hours a day. And I, I would tell God, this doesn't seem like I'm getting any closer to being a leader. I'm just preparing potatoes and rice and noodles and I did that for four months and I told the Lord okay if this is what you call me to do I'll do it forever then he released me then he released me my friends if you want to have your personal vision fulfilled find someone to help them fulfill theirs first and serve them that's the biblical pattern, just like Joshua did for Moses. And then the last thing we see in these 40 years was Moses, Moses passed away. So these are the highlights, the six major events for this wandering for 40 years. Now, why 40 years? Why did it take 40 years. I'm sure most of you heard the joke, it took 40 years back in those days because even then, men didn't stop and ask directions. <laughs> you probably heard that joke. That's not the reason why. Although they probably didn't ask directions there either. But why did it take 40 years? Because they complain. Because they what? Complain. 
How many of you have ever complained? If you're not raising your hand, we're going to have a special service for you tonight. <laughs> Six o'clock tonight, the topic will be honesty. <clears throat> We've all complained. Amen? And I just want us to spend a little time seeing the consequences of complaint for 40 years and none of it was good. Because the truth is, results of complaining is never good. How often? Never. That's not very often. And we complain. And I just want to challenge us to learn a lesson from these people that had some pretty significant consequences from their complaining. Well, what do they complain about? Well, I have several things I've observed as I read this. First of all, they complain things like they, they're not like they used to be. Oh, if we just were back in Egypt. Oh, if we were just back there. Now, wait a minute now, guys. Remember what happened in Egypt. You were slaves. You got beat. You had whips. You had to make bricks. You want to go back to that? How many of you have ever looked, oh, I wish it were like it was, but you forgot like it was. We forgot that it wasn't so great then. If you go back there, it's not gonna somehow magically get better than it was. And they complained because it wasn't like it used to be. That's right, and it never will be again because God has something better. But complaining about our situation, like, well, why don't we don't have the, the, the onions and we don't have the leeks, we don't have the garlic. Like, have you noticed what they named in the Bible? Those all are pretty <clears throat> odiferous foods. And they said, but it isn't like it was because they forgot like it was, was horrible. Amen? Be careful that you wish things to get back like they were. It always isn't like we think. They complained what they did not have. Oh, we don't have any meat. Oh, I don't have a better job. Oh, I wish I had a bigger house. Oh, I wish I didn't have this situation. How many, anybody relating? God says, okay, I'll give you meat. He's, in fact, he says, I'm going to give you meat. It's going to come out your nose. Whoa, I don't know about you, but that is not a real comfortable thought, thinking about meat, never mind. <clears throat> Now, I want you to just help us understand the practicalities of what God did, okay? I'll give you meat. And he brought a wind that brought in quail. 
And it says there that it covered the ground two cubits. So a cubit, how they measured, was from your tip to your elbow, about 18 inches. That was what they called a cubit. We don't use a cubit those day, in these days, but it was two of them, so three feet, a yard deep. The quail covered the ground three feet deep for a day's walk. And a day's walk is somewhere between 20 and 25 miles. All right, now let's think of this. I want you to get this in perspective. Quail, three feet deep, covering that amount of territory. From here to Corvallis, all the way almost to Lebanon, almost to Sweet Home, through down to Eugene, down to Cresswell, even through Lorraine, up over way west, up into the, to the coastal range, three feet deep in birds. You couldn't walk anywhere. You couldn't do anything. Quail. That's a whale, a lot of quail. And then they, God said, I want each family to gather 10 homers. Anybody know what a homer is? That's right. You know how big it was? 55 gallon drum. 220 liters. A little bit bigger, actually, than a 55-gallon drum. Each family had to gather 10 of these for their family. Now, my family, we only have three that live in our house. How long is it going to take you to eat 10 55-gallon drums of quail? Now, admit it, I mean, they're not a, a huge amount of meat. That's a lot of meat. They're complaining. Got them more than they asked. Their complaining had some consequences. They're complaining. They had it so much like, okay, okay, okay. How many have ever complained, man, I wish I had more work? Anybody ever that? And then you get so much you cannot handle it? Are anybody with me? Oh, I wish I had more time in my hand. And all of a sudden you have a lot of time in your hand, like more than you wanted because you don't have a job anymore. I want to challenge us that our complaining today has some consequences just like these people in Israel that wandered around a desert for 40 long years years. They complained. They also complained about their leaders. I'm going to be really careful how I say this. I'm serious. I'm not, I know it's kind of hard to tell when I'm serious and when I'm not. I'm, this is serious. I could probably put it aside. Serious moment. Only have 14 moments an hour, so this is one of them. 
God takes people that he places in authority seriously. And I have been very highly reprimanded by God when I've complained about people over me. Anybody want to say amen? amen? And I say this carefully, and I'm, please don't say it in any, with any condemnation in my heart, but this is an observation that I think we have the ability to correct it. I've been in the ministry now for 40, counting, two years, and I've never had anybody make an appointment to tell me what they appreciated about me. Never once in my life. But I've had multitudes upon multitudes of people to make an appointment to tell me what I've done wrong. We as leaders know we do things wrong. And we do want to hear from you. But if all you do is point out mistakes, that's not a good balance. I teach quite a bit of raising children, and in my study I found research that it takes three positive words for every one correction just to break even. Three positive for every one negative. May I lovingly and gently encourage you, be careful about complaining about your leaders. Now, are leaders wrong? We sure are. Do we make mistakes? We sure do. Do, they, do we need correction? Absolutely. But here's a good, good kind of a guideline or a rule of thumb. You never say until you pray. You never say anything until you pray it. You don't go talk until you've gone to God first. Yes, leaders make mistakes. I certainly have. And I've needed well-deserved correction. But let's remember, God took it pretty seriously when Aaron and Miriam complained about Moses. You know what happened to Miriam? She got leprosy. That's pretty serious consequence, would you agree? Now, how many of you think that if you complain about your leaders and all of a sudden you had white sickness all over your, would be careful the next time of, about complaining. Well, may I just lovingly say that we still have the same God. And he takes people he places in positions seriously. And they complained about their leaders. They also complained about God's direction. We can't go into this land. There's giants there. Why they complained about the people called Amalekites. Anybody ever heard about the Amalekites? Because they were nine feet tall. We don't have any people today nine feet tall. But they were giants. But God says, I want you to go. And they didn't go because they could not see it with their natural eye. See, complaining and not obeying God are connected. They're somewhat joined. When you obey God, you don't complain. When you complain, you don't obey God. 
They complained about God's direction. <laughs> we can't do this. There's big people there. I mean, they got fortified cities. How were we going to take it? And Joshua and Caleb said, but we can do it. And because they didn't obey, they wandered around the desert for 40 years. My friends, complaining has consequences today. Because what comes out of your mouth begins to affect your very life. I was having lunch with my grandsons yesterday and knowing, knowing what I was going to be sharing today, I started saying, hey, let's have the rest of lunch with no complaints after there had been several in a row. And so I said, okay, let's see if we can have the rest of lunch, no complaining. And a couple times you could hear them, oh, then they stopped. They were really good. But we had a whole 10-minute period with no complaining. Let's make a commitment as a body of people. Just like Job did, he made a covenant with his mouth. And with this mouth, I won't complain. And they also complained about people. Even Moses complained about people. That's what got Moses into trouble. That's why he does not, was not able to get in the promised land because he complained to God about these people. How many of you ever complained about people? How many complained about other drivers? Those were people. How many ever complained about the government? I understand. I join you, but our complaining is not going to get the answer. Are you with me? Now, we have something to complain about. I agree. But there's a different biblical pattern that God, I believe, wants us to walk in. Now, please don't be offended by this. I'll probably get an email about this, but I'll do it anyway. You know, we jokingly say as pastors, you know, the church would run great if it weren't for people. <laughs> now, that's a joke, and I'm, I'm just making a point. We love you, we love you, we love you. But sometimes people can be a problem. Anybody? Anybody have any problem with people at work? Nobody. Oh, two people, okay. <laughs> Who, where do you work? I want to go. <laughs> Who? And complain about it is not the answer. I believe that God wants us to move to a higher place. I believe we can learn a great lesson from the wandering, from the children of Israel that wandered around the desert for 40 years because they complained. And I want to recommend that we learn from them and we learn from what the Scripture says. And the word of God in Deuteronomy chapter 30 says, now what I'm commanding you today is not too difficult for you. Can we just say that second line? Is not too difficult for you. 
It's not too difficult. Yeah, but you don't understand. There's people that work that. What I'm commanding you is not too difficult. Or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven, so we have to ask, who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so we, we may obey it? Nor it is beyond the sea that we'll have to ask, who will cross over the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? No, let's read this together, the last little lines here. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. It's there. That which, that's what you have connected to God. And when you accepted Jesus into your heart, he sent the Holy Spirit with him, and he's there. It's near you. It's in your mouth. But we can negate it by complaining. We can nullify the promises and the blessing of God by complaining what we don't have or complaining like it wasn't used to be. Are we complaining because I don't like what God told me to do? How many of you have ever had God quicken something to you and you didn't do it? Because, like, go talk to that person. Oh, I don't want to. I fly a significant amount, and I'm often on airplanes. I'm either rushing to or away or back from somewhere. And often the airplane is just like, okay, put my headphones in and leave me alone. And God says, talk to that person next to you. Oh, I don't want to. Anybody relate to this? You feel tired? I've been preaching for five hours a day for five days. Can I have a break? Ever heard of vacation God? And sometimes I, I have to admit to you, I haven't done it. But when I have, it's always, always, always been better. We complain about God's direction because we don't like it. But remember, as Pastor Jason was saying last week, these things that God gave us is not to restrict us, it's to bless us and to protect us. Also, one more scripture. So I have put before you today life and prosperity, or death and destruction. Which one do you want? Well, we're obviously all going to say, well, I want life and prosperity. Well, what? There, see, there is some responsibility that we need to walk in to have life and prosperity rather than death and destruction. And one thing I'm, we're emphasizing today is watching what comes out of your mouth, watching those negative things, Watching those things that are complaints. Ugh, every driver in Eugene is an idiot. Ugh, these lines at Costco are so stinking long. Anybody with me? I want to challenge you if, you, if you begin to thank God and stop complaining, you'll be amazed of how life just gets better. Because he promises us that we will have life and prosperity if we obey. But death and destruction doesn't seem all that exciting to me. I don't know about you. 
For I command you today to love the Lord your God and to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then, then, we have to do what it says before then. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. It's a good thing to watch what comes out of our mouth. So, what's the opposite of complaining? Two things, I think. First of all, is contentment. Are you happy? Are you content with what God's given you? Or you're always wishing for something more? Oh, if only I had a better job. Only if I had more money. Oh, if only people would, uh, would understand my giftings. Oh if, peop- oh, if only, oh, if only, oh, if only. How many of you ever lived in the if onlys? Anybody ever have any great success on the if onlys? I don't think so. But I think there is great lessons to learn from contentment. Great line in a movie called Courageous, where a tragic accident happened and a nine-year-old girl was killed in a car accident. And the father, who was the, the center focus of this movie, went to his pastor. And this pastor in great wisdom said, are you going to be thankful for the nine years you had with her or be angry with the years you did not? That's contentment. Thank you, God for what you've given me. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And the second ingredient is having a grateful spirit. Are you grateful? May I challenge you as individuals, you as families, with your younger children, to have a goal this week just to practice gratefulness. We are about to enter a season that we call Thanksgiving. And it's a time for us to remember and remind ourselves all that God has done for us and to be thankful because we're grateful. Are you grateful for what you have? Are you grateful for your boss? Are you grateful for the amount of money you do have? Or do you complain what you don't have? Being grateful. So I want to challenge us that we learn from the Israelites and not wander around the desert for 40 years because we're complaining, complaining, complaining. But we're able to receive the blessing of God, life and prosperity, because we have contentment and a grateful spirit. Worship team, would you come back, please? And I want to invite us to stand, if you would. I'm going to ask the prayer servant team to come up front today, rather than the back. If you wouldn't mind, please coming up front. Please make your way. And I, I just want us to apply this. 
One of the most dangerous things I think we can do is hear something and say, oh, that's good. Walk out the door and do nothing about it. Because, see, you are more responsible now to not be a complainer. So I want to encourage you to respond to the Lord. Maybe if you want to do it yourself, then come to the altar. Just stand or kneel or whatever you want to do and say, God, I, I, want, to, I want to deal with my complaining. I want to have a grateful spirit. I want to be content. If you want someone to pray with you, they're up here ready and prepared to stand and believe and to pray with you. But this is not, this is not going to magically ch change or become better just because we hope it will. We have to do something about it. Amen? Amen. I want to I encourage you to respond to the Lord that you are doing something. If, God, if there's been a little bit of a, just a little prompting of the Holy Spirit, yeah, I, I've complained, then do something. Come to the altar. If you want to stay in your seat and do business, we're not telling you how to do it. But just respond to God in some way that we'd be a people that are content and are grateful. Respond to the Lord.